Jesus, I know that nothing is impossible for you, but sometimes I struggle to believe it. Please help my unbelief. I mean, that's a real prayer, isn't it? It doesn't matter if you've been a follower of Jesus for five minutes or 50 years, we all go through these seasons and these moments of doubt and uncertainty. I know I have. I know I have, especially in these last few years, it has feels like it's just been on a regular basis having to reallocate and realign my faith. Probably more than I'd even care to admit. And even though the Bible is filled with acts of miracles and moments where God marries the supernatural, His supernatural, to our natural, I find it easy at times to lose heart. Easy at times to begin to believe that the well of God's miracles has run dry. And I wonder if you have felt that too. I wonder maybe you're here today and said, no, I believe in miracles. I just don't believe in miracles for me. <laughs> I believe that we serve a God of miracles. And I believe that God can do a miracle in your life and, and in your situation. But my life and my situation is just too hard. Is just too out of God's reach. Or maybe you're looking at the world around us and you're like, is this even redeemable? Can God even make a difference in this? In what we are facing and seeing every day? You know, as we've been praying about this series, and this is one of the, the pure joys and stresses of my life, is coming up here every day and having something worth sharing to you. But as I've been praying about this, I just felt this title, God of Miracles, that God wants to stir with inside of us again the belief that He is a God of miracles. This isn't something we sing about or, or past tense, but presently, actively, He is here today. I was thinking about this and I was drawn back to a devotional entry. I don't take right devotions too, too I mean, write in my journals too, too often, but once in a while, I'll write a few things down. And there was a season, March the 4th, 2020. This is even before the world kind of turned upside down on us. My family and I were in a situation that we were unfamiliar with. We were in a season that it was tough. We were navigating what the future held. And in this moment, in my prayer time, I wrote in my journal, I believe but help my unbelief. Teach me, God, what it means to trust you in all, and I capitalized all things, and walk in faith and obedience each day. And in that moment, this is all I could really muster, was all I could really pray. I believe, I do believe, but I, there's so much in me that is doubting right now. Help me, help me. I looked back at my journal entry, in Mar and that was March the 4th, and March the 5th, here's what I wrote. After eight hours of writing this prayer, God used someone unexpected to respond and show just how faithful God is. He showed up. And then I wrote, Father, thank you for when it comes, when my faith seems to be dwindling, you are there to catch us and remind us that we may be pressed, but we are not crushed. May we never forget that. May this mustard seed of faith grow into resolve that can move mountains. And I pray this for you, and I pray this for me, and I was in this moment, and I believe with all my heart that we serve a God of 
miracles. That today, right now, in our world and in your world, God is still moving in your circumstances and in your situations. And while they may feel overwhelming in the moment, we serve a God who holds all things in His hands. And so we can rest today in that confidence. So my heart and my intention this month in this series that we're discussing is to not try to convince you. Because I'm working through this growing in my own life also. But it's to create a space that allows God to stir our faith and fix our focus and realign our hearts to believe again. Or maybe believe for the first time that ourselves, for ourselves, and for one another. And for one another. You know what the prerequisite to a miracle is? The prerequisite for a miracle is an impossible situation. Right? It's an impossible situation, and you don't have to look very far or look very hard to find an impossible situation today. It may be in your own home. It may be in your own finances. It may be in your relationships. It may be on the world stage, but whatever, there is impossible situations constantly. But here's the big idea. Here's what you'd want to, I want you to understand today and as we go throughout this week, that there is nothing impossible for God. There is nothing impossible for God. When Gabriel came down and gave that message to Mary that she was going to give birth to the Messiah, he told her about Elizabeth, and then he said there is nothing impossible for God. And so today we want to hold on to that reality. Like always, you can follow along on our YouVersion events. All of our notes are there in Scriptures, and you can save your own notes if you want to save them for future reference. But the theme verse for this month, we're going to kind of land on here every month or start here, is this. In Psalm 77, 13, it says, What God is as great as our God? For you are the God who performs miracles and you display your power among the people. Come on, this is what we need to rest in. Who, what God is like our God. There are many things that are going to try to come up and take the place of God in our life. But there's no God like our God who performs miracles and displays His power among people. The people's definition of a miracle, the simple definition, is a miracle is an extraordinary event manifesting as divine intervention in human affairs. It's a, a miracle has happened rather when God intervenes in our life, when He shows up, when 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 He when His power collides with our reality, and I love it when God marries His super to our natural, and we get this supernatural moments. See, miracles come in different forms. The Gospels alone show there's different types of miracles. There's 35 different miracles recorded just in the Gospels alone. Just to give you a heads up, there's 17 bodily cures, 17 times where Jesus touches someone's body and heals them of sickness or heals them of blindness or, or helps the lame walk again. There's six times where he delivers the demoniacs and sets people free from the oppressions of the evil spirits in this life. Three times he raised someone from the dead. He gave them new life, not just spiritually, but even physically new life. And nine times he performed, he performed miracles over the nature, over nature, demonstrating God's dominion over his creation. 35 times just in the gospel alone that we serve, that we see God is doing miracles on our behalf. But John, the one of the beloved disciples of Jesus, he writes in his book in John 21, he says, Jesus did many other things as well. He did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Come on now. 
John is saying, listen, I, 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 I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell you of all the things that I saw Jesus do. I wish I could tell you of all the miracles and all the moments and all the interactions and all the looks and all the gestures and all the prayers. I wish I could tell you of all of those things, but there's just not enough paper in the world to contain it all. And I believe for us that's a good lesson because sometimes we can miss the supernatural by looking too intensely for the spectacular. We're like, hey, God's not moving our behalf because we're not seeing the spectacular signs and wonders of legs growing back or literally mountains being moved or, or water being separated in the sea. And we miss these supernatural moments where God is just breathing life and hope and His mercies are new every morning and someone's life is saved and transformed from the inside out or our marriage is restored. We, we forget these little moments and we look over them and we, we chalk them up to coincidences. And we miss that God is always moving among us. Today, as we start this series, I want to focus in on a story that's kind of found in two Gospels. We're going to look at two Gospels as we look at the whole story. And for many of you know, the Gospels are four accounts written by, of the same kind of time period by four different people, kind of showing the same stories from their perspectives. And so we're going to look at the story where Jesus had just finished kind of doing the Sermon on the Mount. Is this popular kind of moment where he's kind of doing the, you know, blessed are the poor and the spirit. He's doing a whole teaching on understanding what the kingdom of heaven is like and the kingdom of God is like and, and ushering kind of this new world and this new understanding of what love is. And, and after doing all this, he says to his disciples, we see it in Mark 43, uh, 4, 35 rather, he says, on the, the day, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go to the other side. Let's go to the other side. Now, I just want to take a moment and just pause right here because it's interesting and it's, and it's good for us to note that where did Jesus say we're going? He said we're going to the other side. It means Jesus already told the disciples what the destination was going to be, that, hey, we are going to go to the other side. We are going to make it there. We're, the path has already been set aside. We are going to the other side. So leaving the crowd, leaving the crowd, he took they took him along just as he was. I can imagine Jesus was probably emotionally spent, physically spent from teaching for how long? Days probably on the mount. He was spent, so they took him as he was into the boat. There were other boats with them, and a furious squall came up. A storm started to rage on this lake, and waves broke over the boat, and it was nearly swamped. And there was Jesus, exhausted. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. So you can imagine the environment that's going in place. The storm is raging. The winds are blowing. And I've now experienced some of these concordant winds, these lakefront winds. You can imagine as the waves crashing over this little boat. We're not talking about a cruise ship, right? We're not talking about some like yacht. We're talking about probably a little wood sailboat, right, with a few little oars. And they're going across this boat. And the waves are crashing and there's chaos and people are wondering and there's, they can't even speak because the winds are so loud and there's Jesus calmly sleeping in the stern. And the disciples woke him up and they said, Teacher, don't you even care if we drown? Now, I don't know how many times this year you've muttered that sentiment. I don't know how many times this season in the storms that we are facing that Maybe you haven't used those exact words, but you have muttered in your heart, Jesus, don't you even care? God, don't you care about me? Don't you care 
about our situation? Don't you care about those people? Don't you care about us? Don't you care about the children? Don't you care? And we kind of mutter this reality in our prayers. When we look at the storm raging around us, when we witness the destruction that is happening, when we feel its effects, it's easy to begin to believe that the storms are stronger than God. It's easy to begin to believe that the waves crashing and the wind blowing cares more power than the voice and the word of God. And Jesus knows that not to be true. That's why he's fast asleep. He knows he's in control. He knows he's got power over the, over the nature. But he also says, what did he also say? I know where we're going. We're going to get to the other side. We're, we're going to get there. It's going to happen. He keeps on in the story. We're going to pick up in Matthew's Gospel now to finish the story. And he says, he replied, you of little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves. And it was completely calm. And these men, they were amazed. And they asked, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? See, there's this, this is the beginning of the relationship with Jesus and the disciples. They're starting to get to know who Jesus is. They know that there's something special and unique and un, 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 undiscovered about who Jesus is, but they're discovering it through this process that even the winds and the waves obey Him. I love that Jesus speaks to the nature and He speaks to the storm before He speaks to His disciples. I love that Jesus speaks to the storm to demonstrate that His power and His dominion is not just over people and things, but it's over all things. It's over the storms that rage around us. And there are three storms that are raging at the same time in this story, and they're the same three storms that you and I face every day when we wake up when the storms rage around us. The first storm is the physical storms, right? They're the ones that we can see. A physical storm, you can see it, right? I can see it. I, it's, this is very real. and the, the, You can see the potential and the real damage. It could be a doctor's prognosis or, or a family crisis. Maybe it's government restrictions or, or global uh, war. It's, it's whatever fill in the blanks. These storms that are raging around us, that are pulling for our attention, that potentially could set us back and destroy us. These are the real storms that are raging. But if we aren't careful, here's the thing I've learned. If we aren't careful, they can turn into something much bigger. These storms, if we, if we lose focus, if we, if we grab a hold of them too much, if we give them too much power, if we give them too much control, if we give too much energy into the things, they can actually turn into something bigger. When we fixate our circumstances out of, uh, if we fixate on the circumstances out of our control, what happens is that we begin to lose hope, don't we? We begin to lose heart. We begin to drift. We begin to fill with doubt. We begin to fill with dismay. We, and all of a sudden, what was started as a physical storm turns what? Into an emotional storm, doesn't it? That's the second thing. And all of a sudden, it's not just what's happening out here. It's not what I can see. It's that I can feel it now. This is affecting me. This is affecting my heart. I can feel it. And worry and doubt and anxiousness begin to creep up in our heart. And it changes the way we speak, doesn't it? It changes the way we interact with one another. Instead of believing that we serve a God where nothing is impossible, we begin to believe that the storm, this storm, is stronger than God. This is the one storm that's going to take God out. This is the one storm that God can't 
control. And so all of a sudden this emotional storm happens. Are we going to make it? Are we going to be okay? What about my children? What about our future? What about our finances? What about my plan? What about my perspective? All these things become to take control and really quickly, really quickly we go from a physical storm to an emotional storm to now a spiritual storm. A spiritual storm where we begin to believe and we begin to mutter, God, don't you even care? I can't even feel you right now. Aren't you here? Why aren't you in my presence? Why aren't you in my situation? Why do I feel like I'm all alone? And so what started as a physical storm turns into an emotional storm and then very quickly becomes a spiritual storm in our life. Have you been there? Have you experienced that? Maybe today, if you're honest, you're like, that's where I am right now. I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe that we serve a God of the impossible, but in this moment, I believe that the well of God's miracles has run dry. But I want to believe, so help my unbelief. And so here's the big idea I want you to consider today. What if the miracle wasn't the storm that Jesus calmed on the outside? But what if the storm he calmed was on the inside? What if it wasn't about God calming the storm on the outside, but in that moment, an interaction with God, with, with his disciples, Jesus was, don't worry about the storm out here. I want to calm the storm inside of you. I want to change what's happening inside of you right now. What if the miracles that God wants to do, what instead that God wants to do for you rather starts with inside of you? Here's one thing I've learned. And you know what I've learned about storms is that you've got to name it and you've got to give it to Jesus. When there's storms that are happening in your life, you've got to give it a name. You gotta, is it doubt? Is it fear? Is it worry? Is it anxiety? Whatever the doubt, whatever the storm is, you've got to name it. And you don't name it to claim it. You don't take that on yourself. You name it to give it away. God, I'm casting my cares on you. I'm passing this storm on you. God, I'm giving you this thing, the thing that I want to hold on to, that my propensity is to cling on to, and maybe even find my identity in. No, God, I'm going to name it, and I'm going to give it to you. What if God wants to give us the ability to grow and stand firm in the middle of the storm? To take the small seed, the small mustard seed of faith, and see it grow into a mighty resolve that truly trusts God in all things and for all things. To secure ourselves once again to Him. I believe that's what God wants to do. I believe it starts within us. It starts in here. It starts in all of us individually. I love the writer of Hebrews in 6.19. He says this, we have this what? This hope. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. Today, you and I as followers of Jesus, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. And there's a couple things you need to know about an anchor. When an anchor drops into the water, what does an anchor supposed to do? What is it designed to do? It is designed to grab a hold of something immovable, Right? Something secure, something steadfast, something reliable as it falls into the water, as it digs into the, the ocean bed or the lake bed or as it grabs a hold of the foundation of the, of the rock or the coil, wherever, whatever water body you may find yourself in, right? It grabs a hold of that. And it doesn't matter what happens on the other side of the rope. The rope could be waving and swaying in the storm or it could be drifting, but the anchor will not move. It is reliable. It is dependable. It may look like chaos on the outside, but there's peace on the inside. We have this, anchor, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul. 
And this is where it starts, where we are secure in Him. So really quickly this morning, I want to give you three ways that we can develop that anchor for our soul today. Firstly, is our anchor, our, we are anchored when we cultivate God's presence. We are anchored when we cultivate God's presence. See, the presence of God is always there, but here's what I'm learning. And here's what some of you have already learned. Is that you have to cultivate it. You have to lean into it. You have to make room for it. You have to practice it. You have to push, pursue it. God, the Bible says that God never leaves us nor forsakes us, but so many times you can ignore those who you are with. Right? How many people have driven in a car and given each other the silent treatment? Right? My wife was with me, but we are not vibing. Right? We are not together. Right? You've been in those moments. You're with somebody. You know they're with you, but they're not with you. And you're not, more importantly, with them. And here's the presence of God. The presence of God will never leave you. We know that. He will never forsake you. We can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. We know that. But here's what we also know. In order for that relationship to be healthy, we need to cultivate it. We need to pursue it. We need to lean into it. Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High, whoever lives, whoever abides, whoever leans into the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler snare and from the deadly pestilence, from all the, the trials and the storms of this world. He will cover you from with, with His feathers like a, like a hen. And, he will, uh, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. There's confidence in this. When we lean into God, when we pursue the presence of God, when we cultivate God's presence, and here's the truth, here's the spiritual principle you need to know today. Peace isn't the absence of trouble, but peace is the presence of God. You're not going to live in a trouble-free world. We talked about it this morning when we started. In this world, you will have trouble. Right? That's the, that, that is a promise. That's not a promise we like. But it's a promise we can guarantee. Right? In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, God says, for I have overcome the world. So peace is in the absence of trouble, but peace rather is the presence of God. It's this image. This, we've, you've probably heard this illustration before, but it's like a little child running into their parents' bedroom during a violent storm at night. And they, they nestle themselves in their parents' bedroom, in, in their parents' bed between mom and dad. And, and they're there and they're nestling in tight. It does not change the fact that the storm is still raging. The storm is still brewing. The storm is still violent. It's still chaos and crazy outside. But the child finds peace in their parents' presence. The child finds peace in their parents' embrace. And just like us, the storm can be raging all around us, but when we cultivate God's presence, when we run to the Father and allow Him to wrap His arms around us, we can find peace in the storm. Secondly, we are anchored when we remember God's promise. When we remember God's promise. When we build our hope on God's Word. I love how Jesus says in Matthew, says, everyone who hears these words of mine and, and does them and puts them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house. But what? It did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. We need to trust God's promise. Psalm 119 says, my soul faints with longing for your salvation. My soul faints with longing for desperation for you to intervene into my situation. I'm at the end of my rope. God, I need 
help, but I will have put my hope in what? In your word. Put my hope in your word. I'm putting my trust in your word. I'm letting your word speak to my life. Here's, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. We need to find a balance. We need to find the balance on how much we let the news in versus how much we let God's word in. Some of us are giving a loudspeaker to the news and barely any attention to God's word. And we wonder why we are overwhelmed. We wonder why we are riddled with fear and doubt and uncertainty and anxiety. We wonder why. If you want to find peace, if you want to develop that anchor for your soul, we need to find balance in our input. It's okay to watch the news. It's okay to, to listen on what's happening out there. That's a wise thing to do. But you cannot let it drown out what God wants to speak to you in here. God wants to speak to you. Here's the principle. Don't let your circumstances speak louder than God's Word. Don't let your circumstances speak louder than God's Word. You need to lean in and allow God's presence, God's promise rather, to speak to you through His Word. Let Him speak. Let Him stir in your heart. That's hard to do, isn't it? Because you feel like everywhere you go, you're being yelled at with all the different narratives that are going around there. And here I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Sometimes it's okay to be ignorant <laughs> on what's going on around. Sometimes you just have to turn it off. Sometimes you just have to say, you know what? For this season, I just got to allow God's word to be the loudest voice in my life. For this season, I have to let his promise speak to me and to strengthen me, develop roots in me. Because left to my own devices, I am like, I'm like the anchor is tether, like the, the, the tether of the anchor has been torn and I'm now adrift at sea. But we need this anchor and it starts with, with leaning in and remembering God's promise. And thirdly, we need to remember, we need, we, we are, we're anchored rather when we understand God's process. When we understand God's process, this is part that we seldom like and we even don't understand at times. No one likes trusting the process, especially when the process is out of our control, right? None of us like this. Everyone loves change when they're the ones leading it, right? But when someone else is encouraging change in me, I'm not sure I like that change, right? I'm not so sure I'm on board with this. I'm not so sure. I'm, I allow you to trust the process that I create, but you want me to trust the process you create? I'm not so sure about this, but we need to trust God's process, understand God's promise. Here's the thing we need to know. Sometimes God allows us to walk through the hard stuff in order to bring out the good stuff. If you've been in life long enough, you realize you, that's true. Because sometimes God, sometimes God allows us to walk through the hard stuff in order to produce in us the good stuff. And what often feels and looks like a setback is really just a setup for the next chapter in the story that God wants to tell through you. None of us like watching a movie where there's no challenge. None of us like reading a book where there's no conflict. That's when the hero emerges. That's when the story becomes good. God wants to be the hero in your story. He wants you to rise up and pursue and push through these challenges and trust His 
process. I love what Romans, uh, Paul is telling the church in Rome. He says, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That's all great. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. He's coming back. Let's hold on to the hope that he's going to return, right? That's exciting. And then he says this, not only so, but we also rejoice in our suffering. Listen, we we can rejoice in that God is coming back, but we also need to learn how to rejoice here now, today, in our suffering and in our storms because we know, here he says, that suffering, what does it do? What's the process here? It produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And it's a circular pattern that rebuilds and reinstills the hope we have in the glory of God. And so we trust his process. Here's what we need to know. Trouble doesn't build character. What does trouble do? It reveals your character, doesn't it? You don't build trust and you don't build your character through storms. Storms just reveal your character. They reveal the essence of who you are. And so when do we start building that trust? When we start, when do we need an anchor? Before the storm starts, right? We need to be ready. You want to be prepared. So when the trouble comes and when the storm comes and we know it's going to come, you're either coming out of one, you're in a storm, or you're heading into one. It's about to happen, right? So we need to develop the character and trust the process. I don't know about you, but I love me a good steak. It's almost lunchtime. We're not having steak for lunch. We're We're not that. We don't roll like that, but... But when we do have steak, you know, there's a lot of preparation that goes into that steak. Marinating it and such. But then you turn the grill on, you heat the grill right up, make sure it's all nice and hot. And then what happens? You bring that steak out and you throw it on the grill and you hear that just like the best sound of the world. Right? You put it on there for a couple minutes, you flip over the steak, you put it over a couple minutes, and from the outside it looks ready to go. It's perfectly charred, perfectly brown, perfectly seasoned. You're like, this is ready to go. You bring it inside, you cut it open, and then what happens? It's bloody. It's raw. It's undone. For some of you, that's perfect. Because you're a little bit crazy. But for most of us, we go back and we put it back on the heat, right? If you're my wife, you put it back on the heat for another 10 hours. So it's good and dead. But when we cut it open, it's raw, it's not finished, it's undone. Here's what I've learned. And hear me today, because this is not a judgment statement, but this is a real statement that we need to understand. Some of us, we look done on the outside. Some of us, we look like we got it all figured out on the outside. We look like we're in a good spot on the outside. We look like we're ready. We look what, like what God would call a bride without spot or wrinkle. We look like we're ready to be for the returning of Christ. But can I just be, can I be your pastor for a moment? When trouble cuts into you, and circumstances cut into you, and you reveal what's really going on inside, some of us find ourselves undone. Some of us find ourselves that we are not what we thought we were. 
And that's not judgment. That's not condemnation. That's just the opportunity to go back on the grill. To go back into the presence of God. To go back with an open heart and an open hand and say, God, I need you in my life right now. I need to develop your presence and your process. God, I need to trust your process in my life. I need your word to speak over my life. I need your presence and your power to be real in my life again that I may focus on you and not the storm. And allow God first to do a miracle inside of me before I'm looking for a miracle outside of there. Help me endure the process with hope. With hope. So we serve a God of miracles. And I believe with my whole heart that the greatest miracle that you and I will ever receive is the gift of salvation. It's the gift of eternal life. It's the gift that we know that if we were going to die today, that we'd be in a relationship with God, that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son into the world to redeem a broken world and to make a pathway back to God that we could not create in ourselves or of our own nature. But through the relationship with Jesus, we can have life and life eternal. That is the greatest miracle I believe we'll ever receive on this side of heaven. Whatever happens above that and beyond that is gravy in my opinion. Because this world is not our home, right? We talked about this with day one when I first showed up. We're just sojourners passing through. So I'm going to encourage you to bow your heads and close your eyes in this moment. And I just want you to have an honest moment with God, an honest conversation with God. And here's the question. If God was to... I know this sounds a little bit gross, but... If God was to cut you open, what would he see? Would you be ready? Would what on the outside measure what's on the inside? Would you be proven ready through your trust and your relationship in Jesus? Would you be ready or would you be left undone? In this moment, you have a choice. You can either stay that way or you can lean in and allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And like me, you can join me in praying this prayer. Jesus, I know that nothing is impossible for you. But sometimes I struggle to believe. Please help my unbelief. Do impossible things in the world around me and use me in the process. Give me the courage to boldly ask for what I need and to trust you as I wait for you to answer. Strengthen my faith by showing me that you make impossible things possible. Father, we pray that you would do it again in our hearts. We pray, Father, that you would do it again in us for those who know you, for those who have accepted you, for those who have walked with you. God, we pray that that would not be fleshly on the outside, that everything would look good on the outside, but we'd be weak on the inside. God, we pray that you would first do a, do a miracle inside of us, inside of our hearts to lean in again, to cultivate your presence and to remember your word and to trust your process. 
And I pray for those here today, God, maybe who don't have a relationship with you. Maybe they're, they're watching online and they, they hear about this God of miracles and they don't know the God of miracles. And I pray, God, that you would meet them in this moment. We thank you, Father, that you love them, that you know them, that you know their name, you know the, the very desires of their hearts, even the very thoughts in their mind, God. You know everything right now, their fears and their doubts, their insecurities and uncertainties. God, I thank you for every part of it. I thank you for the moment that brought them here today. And God, in this moment, as they find themselves here, may you speak to them personally. May they know you personally. May they feel you reaching out to them. And I want to give you the courage and give you the opportunity to reach back to Jesus. You know, what it takes to be a follower of Jesus is really just this commitment to say, I choose to follow Jesus. It's, it's a commitment to recognize that in and of ourselves, we cannot heal or save ourselves. But that God so loved you that he made a way. By dying on the cross and rising three days later from the dead, he ushered in the opportunity, he created a pathway and a bridge for you to have a relationship with God. That he loved you so much as, as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. And so if, if you're here and you want to make that prayer, if you want to reach out to him, can you just pray this with me? Father, I recognize my need for you. And today I choose, as much as I know now, to put my trust in you. I choose to receive you into my heart, to accept you into my heart, and, and follow after you, and to grow in my understanding of who you are, please forgive me of my sins and be the Lord of my life. I pray this in your precious name. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, I want to let you know that is the, I believe, the greatest prayer you could ever pray in your whole life, the best decision you ever made in your whole life. And I want to encourage you one thing real quick. If, if before you leave, tell somebody. If you prayed that prayer for the first time and you accepted the miracle of salvation, which I believe is the best miracle you'll ever receive. You can just fill out a card. Jane will be at the back and she'd love to receive it. Or you can bring it up to me and I'd love to receive it. I'm going to pray with you. Maybe help you. Give you any resources you need to grow in your relationship with Jesus. But the band is here. They're going to lead us in a benediction. So I want to invite you to stand to your feet. And before we go, we're going to sing this prayer as a, as a prayer, as a benediction to believe that God of miracles, he's done it once and he will continue to do it again. That he will continue to reveal himself to us and through us as we trust in him. So as the band leads us in this song, let's turn this into a prayer of benediction and trust with God to lean into him and allow him to do a miracle in our lives. Let's worship together.